We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado. Passing you the facts like he passes on gelato. From just outside New York, a couple football dorks. A killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. O.C.U. Minora lit up in Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it, a podcast for Giants fans who are rabid, who can't wait for Sundays, the NFC East, the Fantasy League standings. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. Tonight we're here to break down the All-22 coaches film on the New York Giants offense against the Kansas City Chiefs. In what ultimately was a disappointing game, I termed this game as the Seahawks 2020 game, but just didn't go their way. It seems to be the story of the Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge era so far, just not going their way. But it was a brilliant game plan on defense. But tonight we're here to talk about the offense and why they struggled, why they weren't able to get anything done. We'll talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about Daniel Jones in this one. We'll really touch on everything that went into this disappointing performance by the offense uh, in week eight. So, Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm chilling, man. You know, it was a disappointing performance overall by this offense. We'll get into the uh, nitty gritty details of what exactly transpired on the football field. But this is the same kind of thing we've been seeing for a while now, Dan. It's just mediocre offense, not great offensive line play, a quarterback that is up and down and a, uh, a winnable game just slips through the fingers of the Giants once again. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Honestly, I do feel like this was actually one of their worst performances on offense in a while, though. So I think it was a little bit different than recent weeks. Like <clears throat> against Carolina, they had a really nice game plan. Obviously, easy opponent, but they had a really nice game plan. 
And it was fine. Like they actually had some plays, not much, but they had a little bit. I guess it's not too much more than what they showed in this game. So I, I probably am exaggerating a bit, but this one was just super disappointing for me because the Chiefs came into this game really struggling on offense, on the offense. I'm sorry, on defense, on the defensive side of the ball. The Chiefs have been among the worst teams in the NFL over the weeks leading up to this game. And then in this game, I mean, they had numbers like fourth worst red zone defense and the Giants had a red zone series where they couldn't score. They had numbers like allowing the most passing yards per play. And the Giants generated only two big yard, big gains in the passing uh, game. One was a chuck up by Daniel Jones that, you know, great adjustment by Ross, but really just a chuck up ball. Nothing too impressive if you're really looking at it objectively. And the other was a dump off to Booker where Booker, make a, Booker made a really nice cut. We can get to that play. I mean, the dude made a really sweet cut to pick up 47. So about 100 yards of what was ultimately how many? Let's take a look at 97 of the 222 yards, almost half of the yards that Daniel Jones threw in this game came on those two plays. So really just not cashing in against this bad Chiefs defense. So let's try to figure out why. Thoughts before we dive into this drive-by-drive? Drive? That defense played pretty well against the Giants, and the Giants weren't winning their one-on-one matchups in man coverage. The offensive line struggled to just even attempt to block players like Chris Jones and even Frank Clark to a lesser extent. But Chris Jones was just dominating everybody he aligned on. There was one rep where he aligned on Caden Smith that I was like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. And I thought that right when I saw it on film. And yeah. it did not go well. It did I put not that one well. on Twitter. I put that rep on Twitter. That was a wild rep. Good good on Jones for like moving forward and taking five on it. But, oh, my God, was that a wild rep to watch. <laughs> Frank Clark just destroyed Caden. No, yeah, no, it was it was Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris Jones. He he's Oh, I'm thinking of a different rep then. Yeah, yeah. It's uh he's well then Caden Smith is a good blocking tight end for a tight end, but you technically don't want him to go up against someone like Chris Jones. You don't want any of these offensive linemen to go up against someone like Chris Jones. He's one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league. And I think that kind of manifested itself on Monday. Yeah, no doubt. Caden Smith definitely not a great game. Um I mean, as we get into this drive by drive, I'll say this. I think there's a lot of people to blame for this really inept performance by the offense. And I don't think it can just be blame Garrett or blame the injuries or blame the offensive line. I think the quarterback does deserve a good amount of blame for this game. Um, not just because of the turnover that led to seven points because of some of the misreads, because of some of how he looked against the blitz. It's not all his fault with his offensive line performing the way they did, but there were some reps like the, the, the rep he, he threw the, uh, what should have been the pick six uh, toward the end of the game on, he has to see the blitz and where it's coming from. And he has to see Slayton open, in my mind, on the slant. And if he, if he stands in that pocket and he delivers that ball to Slayton, it's an easy first down ra- uh, rather than, you know, it ultimately was a first down anyway because the guy slipped, but it should have been a pick six to lose the game for the Giants. And it would have been two massive turnovers to lose the game. He didn't really generate anything through the air. I know it wasn't all his fault, but it's part of the game. Like you got to generate some offense if you're a quarterback. It's not all on the coaching. It's not all on the injuries and the offensive line. I think this was a poor game for Jones for sure. Uh, we'll get into some of why. Let's start with the drives, though, here. Let's start with the first series. Uh, obviously, two-play series for the Giants here. Jones on the interception. I posted on Twitter, Nick, as I've watched this play numerous times. I just don't understand why Jones isn't even trying to hold the linebacker with his eyes for even a moment. He gets that snap, and he's just staring down where he ultimately wants to throw the ball, despite the fact that if you look on the right side of the formation, those route combos are never really ha- don't really ever have a, t- a chance to, to pull that linebacker out into the you know into the that side of the formation. I feel like that linebacker is basically has free will to just read Jones and try to cut off anything underneath, which is ultimately what the Giants attempt to do. 
What are your thoughts on this play? I know I've had a conversation on Twitter with a lot of people. A lot of people are like, Tom Brady made that interception, but I just don't equate those interceptions. Brady's interception was a safety driving down on the ball. Like, yeah, it wasn't great. The safety read his eyes toward the end of a game. Like when he's in auto pass mode, it's a little bit different when it's that linebacker and you don't even see him get held. And it's kind of that flat interception. That's just a stare down pick. Uh, what do you make of this? Is there any, is there any way to absolve Jones of this one? No, this is 100% on Daniel Jones. There's no excuse for this. And I get it. Darius Slayton, he wins inside because 27 allows him to, to go that way because he has outside leverage. But Jones doesn't even account for the weak side linebacker. And he doesn't account for him with a Devontae Booker route heading in that direction. So a lot of in a lot of defensive coverages in those situations, the linebacker is going to flow with Devontae Booker towards the direction of where this little hitch route from Darius Slayton is. So it was just a, a huge mistake by Daniel Jones. And we haven't seen Jones make a lot of these types of mistakes. We saw a couple in the Rams game with Taylor Rapp, who kind of gave him fits all game. But this one was really bad, man. I, got, I can't absolve Daniel Jones of this. And this is right after the defense did you such a solid by forcing an interception of Patrick Mahomes in the red zone. And you go and you do this, and you just totally do not account for a linebacker in a situation where, like you said, very eloquently, in my opinion, that there were no routes coming from the other side. It was actually the opposite. You had a Devontae Booker route going to that side. So yeah. it was just a really, really bad play. That was the odd part. You have that Booker route going to the flat. So it's like you would think, if anything, that would drive the linebacker toward where you're ultimately staring down and throwing. I don't know. That, to me, is not a mistake. I see many quarterbacks making that are elite quarterbacks. I know some people are like, oh, Tom Brady. Well, I don't know. It's just different when it's at the end of the game and it's a safety driving down on the ball. I really can't equate those too, but they get the ball back in the second series after the Chiefs go up seven, or yeah, after the Chiefs go up seven, nothing. Uh, obviously, they score on a short field, four plays, thirteen yards. That can, you know, really be blamed on the quarterback. The quarterback gave up that touchdown there. If you're if you're looking at it objectively. And it does feel to me like Jones is a little bit jumpy. It feels like we've seen this. This is the odd thing. So here's my thought, Nick. I, I, before we get into this, I just have a question for you. So we now know Jones is 0-7 on primetime games to start his career. He's lost all seven of them. Uh, his He has, I believe, two more turnovers than touchdowns through those games, two more turnover turn, uh, total turnovers. And remember in that Bucks primetime game from last year, at the beginning of the game, and really throughout, he was high on a lot of passes. He was off target on passes. He looked unsettled. And I kind of got that feeling again in this game. It starts on this drive, this first down play. Obviously, it's not a perfect pocket here. And you can see it sort of start to break down. Eventually, Parrott's going to let somebody through here um, if, if he holds on to this a little bit longer. But he looks to see if Ingram is, is open for that underneath route. It's not there. And he immediately kind of snaps his shoulder back to hit Ross on the comeback, but Ross is blanketed. And if he just kind of stands in the pocket just a little bit longer and works back through his progressions, Shepard's really open over the middle for a whole shot. It's not a perfectly easy throw, but a good quarterback can rip that ball in there. We saw Mahomes do it a couple times and Mahomes had arguably the worst game I've ever seen him play. So I just thought Jones was a little bit jumpy. You can see him kind of fl uh, flip his hips and kind of his feet are just kind of all over the place as he works back toward Ross on this play and ultimately it's just blanketed and there's just no, no way for completion. It sets up a second and long situation. Yep. You're a hundred percent right here. And what Jones sees is he sees everybody flow with Evan Ingram, knowing that he goes and he sees John Ross, number 12 over there, one-on-one -on -one with 35. So he just kind of trusts his guy to win that matchup on this little quick curl, but it was covered very well. The, the throw luckily was bad because this was another play that could have been intercepted. I 100% agree with your assessment though. Jones was a little jumpy. We've seen this from him in prime time. We mentioned it ad nauseum throughout the offseason as to 
how the his worst game was this Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, a game that was very, very winnable, if not for Daniel Jones. I think there's a strong argument for that. And we saw, I don't want to say we saw that play out in this game, but he didn't rise to the occasion again in a in a favorable matchup. And it's starting to set a uh, an unnerving trend. I, th- I think it's safe to say that. And it's unfortunate because he is working with such a short deck with this offensive line yes. and kind of with the injuries at receiver. But, you know, he did have Tony for a good amount of this game and Shepard, uh, obviously no Galladay. But ultimately, it's just like some of what I saw from this game was regressive, uh, was regression from Jones in my mind. And again, just no, didn't really generate much at all besides those two plays, one which was all Booker and the other, which in my mind was kind of all Ross, like good job on Jones to kind of just chuck it up and, for a one on one matchup and hope for the best with nothing else open. But not really great in my mind. It's just kind of just a good adjustment. And that's half the yards he, he generated. So I don't know, man, it just, it was tough. And then obviously they run, run on second down here. And it's just like the giants can't even generate one yard and the chiefs. I was just looking at this box, Nick on the second down on the second series chiefs have three down linemen. It's a pretty damn light box. The giants are going with 12 personnel, seven blockers, and it's, they can't even get a yard out of this. It's just crazy, man. What's going on, everyone? Football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
No, no, they can't. And it's a power gap concept to try to get outside and get Devontae Booker a hole, which I, I felt like Devontae Booker overall had a phenomenal game. This is a boundary power yes. gap run, and the tight ends just cannot block. Caden Smith just – this was the play actually I was referring to where Chris Jones just clubs Caden Smith to the ground. Kyle Rudolph's – he's tasked to scrape over the top of – well, not really scrape, but he's tasked to chip Chris Jones, help Caden Smith, and then locate the linebacker, Willie Gay. But – nobody blocks Chris Jones and that just kind of blows up the whole play. Cause then Kyle Rudolph can't really get to Willie gay. Cause Chris Jones is just absolutely dominating his uh, fellow tight end. So it was just a bad blocking sequence from that strong side of the line of scrimmage. And that's one reason why you can't consistently ask tight ends to block players like Chris Jones. Yeah, no doubt about it. And this, this drive ends on a third down screen. It didn't really look like it had much of a chance. The chiefs are kind of underneath and ready for it. And that's okay. That's going to happen sometimes as well. Um, Chiefs then Giants then step up on D man. They say they forced the Chiefs punt where they had one. I mean, the Chiefs picked up a first down and then they had three straight incomplete passes. Really awesome stuff by the defense. And the Giants finally then get things going on this third drive. Um, but you know, it requires a really, I don't want to call it a lucky play, just incredible play by John Ross, this 50 yard catch on third and 11. Do you want to break this play down? Yeah, man, it's third and 11 shot to Ross. Uh, it was a beautiful route and play design to isolate Ross on a cop route, which is essentially like a corner post against Daniel Sorensen, somebody who's a far less athlete to John Ross. And this play is against a too high cover two look. Could have gone for even more potentially. But, you know, I'll take the 50 yards, to be honest. But I I, I think... Daniel Jones, he, he did underthrow this. I think you were you were right there a little bit. But I, I do like the fact that he was able to at least see what was going on, see the coverage, and then see the matchup, which is something we mentioned a little bit earlier because he's able to see the rotation yeah. of the safeties right before the snap. Sorensen kind of comes goes from the box to a too-high look. Jones hits that back foot, and he has to wait for John Ross's route to develop. Ross sells that outside stem really well, and you can see Daniel Sorensen's hips just totally go parallel to the to the sidelines. And then Ross sticks his outside foot into the ground and explodes back. But the throw kind of dies, and credit to uh, Thornhill, the backside safety, who ends up getting over there. I don't know if even if Daniel Jones bombed this 70 yards, if this would have been a touchdown because it seems like the the angles for both safeties were uh, were pretty good, but – you get a matchup that's advantageous and Sorensen ends up holding John Ross and Ross ends up making a great play on the ball there. And I do want to give Jones credit as well for taking a shot. It's kind of like that Carson Wentz style. Like give yourself a chance here. It's third and long worst case. It's going to be intercepted, but there's a good chance you get a defensive pass interference. Like we see like the Colts continue to get week after week, or you can just get this incredible play on the ball by your receiver. It's so much better than just checking down and giving up. I think in this spot, as far as just like the upside downside type of thing, uh, I did want to, I didn't want to skip over the first two downs, which are really bad by the giants. The giants went backwards. The second down was the Billy price where he's just beat off the snap so bad that he kind of walked. You said beat off. <laughs> yeah, he's just getting beat off the snap. And so bad that he uh, he kind of like walks back into Booker and is like, <laughs> Booker's trying to cut somewhere and he walks right into Billy Price. That was bad. They also opened uh, this drive with a play call I didn't understand. So I wanted to get your take on this. I'm trying to cue it up now here. Uh, so I can remember this one, but I, I posted it on Twitter a little bit earlier, but I just didn't understand this play call. So let's see if we can find the play action rollout. Yeah, the play action rollout here because he's rolling to his left here. But if that underneath route is covered, look, which it is, and the Chiefs did a great job of covering uh, these two man routes all game on these deep play actions, on these rollouts when they were like running these types of routes. But if that's covered, Jones is never going to complete that deep out. Like he's not going to be able to flip his hips around in time and make that throw. We've never seen Jones make that throw, both on his Duke tape 
or his Giants tape. So you're asking for him to do something he's never actually really done at the NFL level, or at least proven he can do. So I just feel like it's it's a really it's not a great play call for that reason. I mean, it's a play action rollout to the field side, so you can end up picking up two to three yards, which the Giants end up doing with Jones's legs if nothing is open there. We've seen similar plays like this usually not always going against the throwing side of Daniel Jones where the tight end is open. Kyle Rudolph is a little bit covered on this play. So I have no uh, qualms with this play call. Yeah. I just don't see how, I don't know how he's going to complete that deep pass. He just hasn't shown it as part of his game really, but I get it. It's fine. But anyway, we move on after that, and then we have the reverse design Tony pass that finally connects. They've been looking for this. <laughs> they've been looking for this one for weeks, right? Yeah, man, we get to see that little 19-yard pass. Kadarius Tony. You know what? Didn't have a lot of zip on the ball, though. You know, you know, I want to, I want to see a little bit more fire on it because to, I, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard Tony's arm be built up a lot. No, nah, but in all seriousness, it was a, it was a good play. Also saw some GT counter. The uh, run by Booker. I mean, if you watch that play, man, I don't know if you uh, saw the end zone copy of it. I'm sure you did, actually. He sets that play up very well. I mean, the hole is present for quite a bit on that play. And you could probably think, well, why isn't Booker exploding through the hole? It's right there. But Booker knows he has to get Willie Gay, number 50, to commit outside of Skura's block there. It's that because they pulled. It was a GT counter. So that means the backside guard, backside tackle, they both pull. And Booker can't commit to the open hole too soon because the linebacker is going to get there. It's that little cat and mouse game that we always discuss in the past. And I feel like Booker, if he didn't press outside, that was probably going to be like a one or two yard game. But since he pressed outside and got Gay to commit to that direction, then he was able to explode back through the hole, which was still there for an 11 yard game. I thought that was a great run by Devontae Booker. I completely agree with you. And we'll get to this probably a little bit later and sprinkled throughout. But to me, there was a clear-cut best player on offense in this game. That's not saying yes. too much because it was such a bad offensive game. But Booker was the best player on offense in this game, without a doubt, I thought. Um, really gave them a chance in a lot of ways. That 47-yarder, which we'll get to later, I mean, that was an all unbelievable play by him. The cut he made there was sweet to kind of create that space, create that yards on a, just a dump-off play. It wasn't a design screen at all. Um, all right, we move past this drive. Um, well, so we also have to, you want to talk about the goal line sequence? Yeah, I'm sorry. We can get into the goal line sequence here as well. Wasn't something that I loved, and I'm sure you didn't love it either because no. those fades, man. Don't you love the fade pass to the Sterling Shepard from the reduced split? I mean, the timing. Every coach you've ever talked to has told you that fades in the in the red zone are, are bad play calls. Why does it such a big part of Garrett's decision-making down there? I just don't get it. Well, and this one was a little bit different because it was from It's a, a little different. You're right. It, it was a stack, but Shepard, like he was selling the block and it seemed like he, he sold the block for like, like way too long. Right. And the timing of the play was just thrown off. I feel like the timing of a couple of the throws and, and routes from the Giants receivers and Daniel Jones were off. And then you also had the screen to Shep from a quads alignment. I know you love, love red zone screens, Dan. Well, listen, on the broadcast, I know you didn't watch the Peyton, uh, you know, the Peyton Eli broadcast. Peyton said it best. He's like, he didn't say what I said. I don't really like screens in the red zone, especially with the Giants and you've proven you can't do these. You have zero successful. But Peyton's like, in the broadcast, he's like, that's a play call you call on first down. You never call that on third and goal. And he's just like so befuddled by Garrett's decision to call that on third and goal. I mean, I'm kind of with him. If you're going to run this type of play in the red zone, which you, I don't really think you should, at least don't call it on third and goal. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, especially when you're like five or six yards out. But hey, you know what? At least they went for it on fourth and one there. I formation, big personnel, high low with Elijah Penny in the flat, Kyle Rudolph running that little seven. And then Rudolph, hey, finally has a huge impact here, Dan. Aren't you thrilled? 
Yeah, they finally run this. We've been looking for this play for so long, this little tight end leak out play. I can't believe it worked on a fourth and goal when it's kind of expected in my mind. But at the same time, remember, we have to keep in mind the Chiefs enter this game with the fourth worst red zone defense. We'd see it later on the Ingram touchdown when it was really bad leverage from uh, from the from the defender that kind of led to that touchdown. So hmm. it, it's possible against a team like this. And obviously it bore out in this situation. So Giants get on the board here. And now we got to ourselves a ball game here at this point it's seven seven you think I, the whole game i was kind of thinking when will the chiefs offense break this thing open but just such an excellent play uh game plan and execution by the giants defense it never happened they force a three and out the giants the giants get the ball back now with a really good chance to kind of take momentum in this game uh but unfortunately this fourth series is a really really bad one you have a second and long situation here so you have the first down where they kind of try to run booker and it doesn't work okay but you have the second and long series here situation here where Jones is thro throws this really off target and high. At first, I want to blame Jones, but he just has nowhere to fall through here because Hernandez just gets beat so early on this play. And, and he's and the defender's right in Jones's lap and he's trying to make the follow through here on this throw. I just feel like it's just another bad rep from Hernandez. There's just too many of these week after week with this guy. Oh, yeah. Hernandez had a pretty bad game. He he was not great. He was definitely somebody that struggled, but there were plenty of Giants offensive players that struggled. And you're right. He had no chance to follow through. Jones just ends up getting absolutely nailed on this play. It was just a quick little Ohio type of concept out and up. And uh, you know, there wasn't there was a little separation for for Sterling Shepard here, but it was a field side throw. It was very yeah. difficult with all the pressure in Daniel Jones's face here. Yep. And then right again on third and long, it's another pretty crappy rep from Will Hernandez. That's kind of my only note on this. Like Chiefs brought pressure, so it's tough. And like Jones doesn't really have time. He has to try to hit this whip route. There's really not time for anything else. But Hernandez again just stood out to me as somebody who just didn't get hit the job, his job done on this. That's back to back for him on this series. Yeah, he just gets bowled over by Chris Jones on this one. And the Giants saw cover one twice on that second down play and on this third down play. And the Giants receivers weren't creating all that much separation. These these cornerbacks aren't all that great. So that's that's a little bit problematic to me. And and Shepard, the timing on this play was also off. And that was mostly because Will Hernandez got blown past by Chris Jones. But still, you expect him to catch this football, kind of hits him like in the helmet, I think, pops in the air and falls to the deck. But that probably wasn't going to be a first down anyways because it was like three yards uh in front of the sticks yeah it's not leading to a first most likely unless they kind of break something open or something of that nature which we're probably not going to see but either way just a pretty disappointing series and then right away the chiefs then go on that long drive they're kind of just running Derek gore this was the worst drive of the game for the giants defense by the way um obviously oh, they kind of just let Derek gore who looks so slow man like i had dave dave richard uh dave richard who we work with that um CBS Sports, we were talking about tape today because he looks over the game film for all 22 for all players for fantasy purposes. He was like, man, did that Giants defense look bad early on letting Derek Gore get all those yards like he was so slow. And like that's how I felt on the broadcast. And then when I rewatched the all 22, Derek Gore was argu arguably the slowest player on the field, like, like the slowest skill position player on the field, I thought. So not a great drive there from the Giants, but they get the ball back. And this is kind of that eight play, 86 yard drive where I really think define in a lot of ways define the game because the Giants got into that fourth and two at the K Kansas City five situation and they decided the best the best decision there was to kick the field goal. But before they got into that, let's kind of talk about how they got down here on this drive. What play stood out to you? Yeah, man, you can't beat the Chiefs at home with field goals when you're the New York Giants. But they had two very nice plays to Devontae Booker, the 141-yard game we referenced before. That was just excellent vision and, and just an excellent cut from that running back there, Devontae Booker, to find that crease, spring that play. Wish we had a – wish he kind of 
had a little bit more breakaway speed. I'm going to be honest because Saquon Barkley might house that, to be honest, but it's neither here nor there. And then that very next play, it was an RPO by Daniel Jones, man. And he didn't, he held onto the ball for whatever reason. I don't know why he didn't pull the trigger on Evan Ingram, who was open in the flat. And I'm not really 100% certain what he was doing there because he could have hit the ball, handed the ball off, probably would have been a small gain, nothing too crazy. But he, Looked like he was about to fire the football to Ingram, and it's not like it was covered immediately. And for whatever reason, he wanted to wait to see if Sterling Shepard was going to get off of like the the uh, entanglement that he was in because it seemed like he was really just kind of hung up on the cornerback. And then he just ended up kind of technically getting sacked, but it was really just him running back to the line of scrimmage and falling down. Did you uh, you have any takeaways from from that play? Yeah, obviously, I think you summed it up well here, Nick. I don't think. Uh, I don't think there's really anything I could add to that. I would just say it, this is this game featured a lot of kind of those little, little, little errors. I don't want to call it errors, but just plays that the giants didn't seem to be on point for, but I do want to break down if you can, the Booker play for me, I just felt like it was an incredible. So it ended up being 41 yards earlier. I said 47. So we had 91 yards Jones on this Booker play and then kind of the Chuck up to, to uh, Ross, but uh, just did you make up anything else of this? But I did like, I just thought it was an incredible individual play by Booker here. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I mean, again, it wasn't a design screen. He was the check down option. These plays typically go for like four yards here, but he, he catches the ball. And if you pause it right at the catch point, right when he, right when he catches the ball and turns around, there are three chiefs right in front of him. And then Kyle Rudolph, and then another chief kind of coming from the line of scrimmage towards him. He's about four yards downfield and he somehow springs this run for 41 yards. It was excellent. And we already kind of let the cat out of the bag to me. Devonte Booker was amazing in this game. I really felt like he rose to the occasion and kind of put the offense on his back, despite the fact yeah. that nobody else was there. And I, we, we weren't, I mean, we were a little critical of the fact that Dave Gettleman prioritized a running back contract on day one, but we were more critical of that before we knew he was going to go out and sign a Dory Jackson and Kenny Galladay and bring in a lot of other pieces. But Booker is living up to his contract right now. So it wasn't all that much to be honest, but he he's proven to me at least to be a solid fill in for when Saquon Barkley comes down with these little nagging injuries. Yeah. And it seems like that's going to be the case for Barkley, uh, or at least it has been, I mean, things can change on that front, yeah. but Thus far, that has been the case for Saquon Barkley. He's been injured for most of his career, uh, you know, at least a little bit of time in each of the seasons, except for the first one. So, and obviously some of these lower body injuries are now building up, which is, which makes it tough. Um, you know, so you're going to need a backup running back for as long as they're employing Barkley, I think on this roster, but yeah, man, really great game from him. Anything else on this drive that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, this was the drive with the epic field goal decision, and you had the play on third and four. It was a sprint out right with Elijah Penny helping Nate Solder to that side. You have everyone moving laterally, and then you have the right. stack of Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. They're just inside the numbers, so there's plenty of space outside here from the numbers to the sideline for Sterling Shepard to operate. You have Slayton release upfield through the outside shoulder of the cornerback who was in a press alignment. So that isolates Sterling Shepard against the cornerback who's about seven yards off of him. And then Shepard has all that space to work. And man, I think Shepard just botches this a little bit, man. He doesn't gain enough depth here to get, to get this first down. I mean, he only goes two yards down the field and then at the catch point, he still has space, but he just falls down. I think he thought he had the first down in that situation. 
And it's odd to me, though, because I look at it from a play calling perspective, and I doubt the Giants call this play without telling Sterling Shepard, hey, you have to get to the marker here, unless they're going to go for it on fourth down. And then they ultimately did not go for it on fourth down. So to me, that suggests that Sterling Shepard just did not run a great route here and wasn't necessarily aware of where he was on the field. But I can't speak to that with any certainty. Yeah, I don't know exactly if that, I mean, I like you said, it's hard to speak that with any certainty, but I do agree with you. It just seems like this route, to me, this route combination is never really going to have a high upside. It's so much rather than be running something different that's kind of like toward, in the end zone, a rub route, something that's breaking toward the pylon or breaking, you know, giving them a chance to score, not just giving them a chance to, uh, let's say, you know, create a first down here. And then if you're going to run a play like this that has a good chance of not getting the first down, at least do yourself the favor of, you know, going for it on fourth down. That's the thing I don't understand. If you're going to throw short of the sticks, then why would you not go ahead and go for it on fourth down? Ultimately, you don't have any faith in your offense. I get it, but not going for it on fourth down is partially why, in my mind, they lost this game because in the end, the Chiefs were able to, in that situation, kick a field goal on that third and goal from the 18. We went over this on the reaction pod. We don't need to get back into it, but... I just really dislike the decision here by Judge. I know he defended it in the postgame presser. He's defended it every step of the way, every time he makes one of these calls. Um, and I know he felt vindicated in the Saints game after he punted on that fourth and nine. But ultimately, over time, it hasn't worked well for him at all. There, he's 8-18 eight and 18 for the Giants, despite having a super easy schedule last year. So uh, it's just something I just don't think is a good thing for the Giants moving forward. But they kicked the field goal. The Chiefs punt um, after, you know, just a minute. And so the Giants then get the ball back. But... Only a minute 36 from their own 26, and they ultimately end up not really doing anything in this possession. They have the penalties that bog them down and get them to first and 25. Anything that stood out to you here? Yeah, we lost Sterling Shepard, which was yep. terrible, to be honest. And it sucks, man, because it's on this little like trash throwaway drive. Let's try to get in a field goal position to get points on the board. But the Giants offense really struggles to move the football whenever the opposing defense has the ability to pin their ears back and rush the passer, which we saw later in the game as well. And the Giants were a little bit undisciplined on this drive. You had Will Hernandez jump off sides. You had Nate Solder hold Frank Clark. So it was just a, another one of those Giants offensive drives that make you roll your eyes. Yeah, not not their best drive. So we get into the second quarter. Giants have a nice opportunity getting the ball first here to really do things. And this is just... You know, it's just so typical Giants to me. They get into a third and one situation. They run this option play. Do you think Jones should have pitched it? You can tell me that. But also just when you're punting in these third after these third and ones, man, it's just so frustrating. I feel like the Giants have been in this spot so often. Like, I'm not saying you should be going for this on fourth and one from your own 34, but you should be converting third and ones. You really should be converting these third and ones. So what did you kind of make of this uh, lat, this non-conversion here? I think Daniel Jones should have pitched the football there. And I... I mm-hmm. I like the the put the team on my back type of philosophy or just um, attitude, I guess I should say. And I appreciate the little fake pitch that he did. But if you pitch the ball there, I don't believe Frank Clark is going to have the angle to get to Devontae Booker because Booker had so much space between him and Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark in the sideline. So just take the safe play, pitch that football and get the, and just continue to move the chains instead of lowering your shoulder and trying to get it yourself. When you have two defenders converging on you, I just think it was another poor decision by Daniel Jones in this, uh, 
in that situation. And, and it sucks, man, too, because we we chastise the Giants sometimes for rushing the football a little bit too much, but they ripped off a five-yard and a four-yard run to set up that third and one, and then they can't capitalize on an option play that they were able to capitalize on last game. It's just frustrating because I thought both of those runs on first and second down were really nice runs. You had a power gap run on first down where the backside guard really just kicked out the end man on the line of scrimmage. It was a really nice looking run. And then you had 12 personnel on the, uh, on the ensuing run and Devonte Booker, a little inside zone. He stutter steps and finds the a gap right behind Skura. Skura had two really nice blocks and they just couldn't get it on third down. It's just unfortunate. Yep. Unfortunately, the giants lead to another pump, but then they do hold the chiefs to a, to a six play 31 yard uh, drive. That doesn't end up in any points. So still 14 at this point, still 14, 10. It's a game. Giants get the ball back. So they get a nice deep curl. And this is honestly the, probably the best ball in the game from Jones. I would say it was his best ball. Throws a nice one here. I thought um, to Ross really rips it in there on target, gives Ross a chance to catch transition and go up field. Um, but this one bogs down after, you know, the giants kind of running. Like I was saying on this, I was writing in my notes, like, yeah, so it just kind of felt low ceiling this drive to me. I mean, it's 14-10. You have a chance to kind of take back the momentum. Your defense playing so well. You're putting him on the field for so long. And they just try back-to-back plays. The first one's a little throw to Tony, gets them a few yards, sets up for a third and three, and they just can't complete this uh, quick slant to Tony. Uh, anything to take away from this drive? I feel like at this point, this was kind of like the game plan was settled in at this point. The Giants weren't really uh, going for anything big in the passing game. No, they were just trying to get themselves into good field position and possibly get a field goal, continue to move the chains, possess the ball. You have two slants to Tony on third down, or second and third down. The second and seven was completed for four yards. The third and three was dropped, and the pass was low and in and inside, which was exactly where it had to be. I thought this was actually a pretty solid throw from Daniel Jones because Tony doesn't get great separation Um after his initial after he initially releases off the line of scrimmage, I think he was open for a little bit. And then once Daniel Jones kind of hit that back foot and fires the football, if you see the 35's hand is like right by the catch point, but it hits Kadarius Tony in the hand, I believe. And that's a tough catch for Kadarius Tony, but it's one that if it did hit him in the hands, it was a uh, one that he should secure, but it's kind of hard to tell on the all 22, if it actually hit him in the hands or if 35 ended up getting his hand on it himself. Yeah, it's tough to see. I just feel like, you know, they're not taking chances here on this drive at all. And they ultimately punt the football. They're not going to take a lot of, they're not going to take a lot of chances with, with this offensive line. I I don't think, I mean, they didn't a lot, you know, they they had the the deep pass to, to John Ross, which they were able to hit on. But other than that, they weren't airing the ball out too much. They're just trying to use the quick game and and pick up yards that way. And just kind of have the receivers win at the line of scrimmage against man coverage and, establish leverage off the release of the wide receivers, get into their stem, win, and then have Daniel Jones fire a nice pass right into their chest, which is what happened on this drive twice, but it didn't matter because the Giants couldn't convert. Yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's fine. I get it. Like, but this can't, you know, we have some bad offense lines around the NFL, I think. And when you're facing a defense this bad, I feel like you need to take some more chances. I just, I will stand by that. Even as bad as the offensive line is playing, I just feel like, even if they're just two-step design, like smash plays out of the slot, slot bird type stuff, just got to do some things to kind of try to take chances here. Even if it's 50-50 back shoulder balls where everything might not look exactly open, but you give your receiver a chance to make a play on the ball, something to move the ball a little bit better. I mean, this drive was just really just two quick throws to Tony to try to get to the sticks. Best case scenario is you create a first down, but you're still not in scoring range and you just have to then get another first down. 
Um, the worst case scenario is this, where you just have to punt again. I just, I don't see enough upside in this type of style, but the chiefs get the ball back and they start to move the ball really well. Uh, and then just incredible play by Logan Ryan here to force the fumble. They were in or just getting into scoring range against the giants here. Um, and Logan Ryan forced the fumble. So this should be a momentum spot for the giants. And it turns out to be the giants go on an eight play 57 yard touchdown drive that finishes off of that Evan Ingram touchdown, uh, catch. What do you want to take away or what do you want to break down from this drive? Yeah, this was one of the uh, best drives by the Giants offense here. They were able to move the football. You had a couple out routes feel like the Giants were really utilizing the uh, the out route on this drive. They had a six-yard hit to Kadarius Tony, and they also had the out route where Evan Ingram just won at the line of scrimmage against Sorensen. Again, we talked about it on the reaction pod. I'm not really 100% certain why Sorensen was trying to eliminate the inside release when he had a linebacker and a safety out there. But that was a really nice release from Evan Ingram, so credit where credit's due. Another really nice run I felt like by Devontae Booker on the counter run. It was not a great block by Evan Ingram. It could have been a lot bigger, a much bigger play if that block was executed well. And we, we kind of already talked a lot about Devontae Booker, but it was a, it was a good drive here. And I wish we saw a little bit more of this and I'm not really a hundred percent certain as to why we did not, but they were able to establish the run inside zone, you know, counter do with several different things, get Kadarius Tony involved. And then it led to a touchdown to Evan Ingram where there was a mismatch, you know, Evan Ingram is a mismatch nightmare. If giant fans haven't heard and they were able to take advantage. <laughs> Yeah, for sure here. Uh, really good throw. This was my favorite. Uh, this or the Ross throw, my favorite throws for, for Jones in this one. Really rips this ball in there into a very, very good spot to, to get the touchdown here. Um, Chiefs get the ball back. 14 play, 57-yard drive. Really awesome stop at the end here by the Giants defense to hold them to three. Give the Giants a chance. And now, like, the Giants have the ball back here with 4-12 remaining in the game, 17 all. This is should be an opportunity for them to try to get some points on the board and start to make this, you know, a game they can win. Um, and they start to get some things going here on this drive. Really, uh, you know, short starts off with a nice little pass to, to Ingram, well-designed. Um, but ultimately, this drive does bog down here for the Giants. I believe it was it bogged down on that second when it, they got into that second and seven situation with uh, Darius Slayton here. So, and then finally on the third down, they miss he misses Booker on this one. So, uh, I just felt like on this one, the Chiefs did a good job of bringing pressure, getting there, um, and mixing things up. What did, what did you think about this drive? I think this drive could have been a lot different if Elijah Penny doesn't take that taunting penalty. I mean, right. it's a 17 17 game, and I get it that the the yards kind of get made up a little bit later with that Darius Slayton holding penalty against the Chiefs. But man, dude, did you see that play? That was a touchdown if Chavarius Ward does not hold Darius Slayton. And and it makes me think, bro, like the the margin of error is is, is so thin in in the NFL, man. And and like a difference between a win and loss could be one little play. And that literally could have been the difference from the Giants winning this game because Slayton, man, that was an excellent, that was my favorite play call of this game. And if, if you, uh, if you go to it, that was a third and four play with 548 left in the fourth quarter. And you have a two by one set with a tight end on the boundary side. So I guess you can call it a two by two set, but he is a wide tight end and he is in protection, but you have the, the two receiver side. You have Kadarius Tony in the slot. You have Darius Slayton as a number one receiver outside Kadarius Tony fires his feet at the line of scrimmage and then just heads outside to hit number 35 and just kind of graze him a little bit while Darius Slayton simultaneously releases inside. So a little switch release action and fires up the field. And once Darius Slayton gets to around the 35 yard line, he gets held by number 35 
Ward. And he, and then that just throws off the timing of the play. It's flagged. It's a defensive hold. It's not pass interference, whatever first down, but dude, that could have been a touchdown because the safety was just headed towards Colin Johnson because Daniel Jones did an excellent job with his eyes, manipulating that safety. This would have been a huge play if Ward did not hold Slayton here and Slayton actually held on to the football, of course. Yep, great play call. Just the misconnection. Obviously, the hole played a role. I'll be honest with you, though. When I watched on the broadcast, it didn't really look like much of a hole to me. I'm not so sure he gets there without the, uh, you know, even with the without the hold because it just didn't look like a huge hole to me. But it's tough to say. I mean, you can't tell from the all twenty two, so it's just based on what I remember. Uh, he, I mean, I I kind of disagree. He grabs that hip, and you could see Slayton trying okay. to like shrug off. It kind of slows him down. You could see Darius Slayton just kind of sink his center of gravity pretty significantly before he can kind of get into his stride again. And that doesn't happen if Ward doesn't grab his hip, in my opinion. That's fair. I mean, again, this was just off the broadcast angle. One thing I did want to get to, by the way, I missed it in my notes earlier. It's a bit, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to go through these sometimes. The drive before on the Ingram touchdown, uh, we didn't go over the play where um, – uh, the one where Jones almost threw the interception. It was the one where the Chiefs defender was right in the flat. Jones kind of just panicked, got the ball out there, and it should have been intercepted, but it wasn't intercepted because the the guy slipped. In my yeah. mind, Nick, I thought this was actually a bad play by Jones, not because he threw that pass out there into the flat. I thought it was a bad play by Jones because he didn't really read the blitz right. The Chiefs came out here with a massive blitz on this play, and if he really stands in the pocket and reads this blitz right he's gonna be he's gonna see that Darius Slayton's open on this inside breaking slant and there's nobody in that zone like the zone is completely uh, at this point evacuated so it just seems like a, a, a an example of where they should they should have uh they should have uh he should have made that pass to Slayton I should say yeah, absolutely. And his eyes go directly to the the player covering Kadarius Tony because the Giants align in split back formation and then they kind of send Kadarius Tony as a fast three to the boundary. So there's not a lot of space to operate out there. But you're right, Slayton wins off the line of scrimmage here. And I don't even know if Jones is aware that the that the linebacker blitzes, that, that weak side linebacker blitzes, because the Chiefs send six here. He goes into the mesh point with Booker on a little play action type of pass. Booker kind of blows the pass protection, it looks like. I don't think he's aware the fact that 54 is blitzing here either. I don't think Jones was aware of it. So he might've thought just like what happened earlier in the game, that 54 would have been in that throwing window towards 86. But if Jones kept his eyes up and, and saw, you're right, this could have been a nice, this would have definitely been a first down. And uh, whew, Jones is lucky that Legereus Sneed fell down. Cause that could have easily been a pick six. Yeah. That one could have easily, easily been a pick six. All right, Nick, let's go back to that second seven play. Yeah, so second and seven, and the Giants are in a position. They ran the – or it was a little dump-off pass to Devontae Booker for three yards. And, dude, tied game. The Giants are around midfield here, you know. They, they had a stupid taunting penalty that negated a bunch of yards from Elijah Penny. They had the play with Darius Slayton we just broke down. And now we have this second and seven, and the Giants try running quick slants. And on this play, man, Darius Slayton does a great job winning at the line of scrimmage here. He releases outside and gets 27's hips fully flipped before coming back inside. But Jones just – kind of throws off his back foot, leaning in a weird direction and puts a high pass here that Slayton drops. Now Slayton has to catch this ball and it would have been maybe like a three or four yard gain, nothing more because the defender is right there. It was a great release by Darius Slayton, but I'm not sure what Jones is doing here because yeah, 
Solder gets beat a little bit, but he has a lot of space before he gets hit here. And once he throws the football, there's still like two yards between Jones and any Chiefs defender. So this is just an egregious throw by Daniel Jones, a bad drop by Darius Slayton, and a spoiled opportunity because Slayton wins at the line of scrimmage, gets the cornerback manipulated. This could have been a much bigger play, and this is why bad football teams lose football games because they cannot capitalize when opportunities are there, just like we see on the second and seven play. Yep, unfortunately. All right, so just before the punt, what happens on this third and seven play? Yeah, the third and seven play, I mean, uh, almost connects with Devontae Booker, which would have been a, a nice a nice uh, catch and run. This would have been a first down, probably, but it looks like cover one, deep safety in the middle of the field, center field. You have a rat in the hole there who's kind of spying Devontae Booker a little bit. Looks like he actually might be in man coverage on Devontae Booker, dropping from an original too high look. Daniel Jones, I mean, nobody gets separation, so Daniel Jones keeps his eyes downfield, looks for Kadarius Tony, who has no separation at all, and he tries just kind of running out, but there's a little stunt to the left side of the line of scrimmage that Billy Price doesn't do a great job picking up, and I think if Billy Price is able to pick up this defensive lineman Jones can probably rush for seven yards and pick up the first down. That does not happen. He tries throwing across his body to Devonte Booker who can't get the catch. It was a low throw, a hard catch to make. And the giants are forced to punt. And this is uh, another wasted opportunity. This entire drive. It's uh, frustrating to say the least. Yep. And they punt chiefs go all the way down the field. Giants get that huge sack on third and goal Force the fourth and goal from the 16. I believe before I was saying it was from, the 18, but it's from the 15, uh, go up 2017 giants, get the ball back. Daniel Jones takes the sack and then the incomplete pass to Evan Ingram. What, anything on this drive that stood out to you? So you're now we're talking about the last drive of the game. For the yeah. Giants? We're at the final drive of the game here. It's 2017. I mean, there's not, uh, there's not too much. I didn't mean to put you on the spot here on this one. No, I mean the chiefs were able to pin their ears back and just not allow the giants to, to get into any sort of field goal range. The offensive line couldn't really block anything up. Jones' feet, they were a little happy feet because the pressure was really coming. They, Steve Spagnuolo just dialed up the blitz and just sent it after Daniel Jones, and there wasn't much he could do. There wasn't much the protection could do. There wasn't much the receivers could do. And at that point of the game, and I know I, know I felt this way. I want to get your take on this. I was like, ah, the Giants are not going to be able to get in a field goal range to tie this up. Like I had no hope of the Giants uh, setting this to overtime. Yeah, no hope. They hadn't shown any any sign of real of a real passing game the entire game. Like they didn't actually get a passing game going at any point this entire game. Their two big plays, their only big plays were they had three big plays. They also had the twenty two yarder to to um John Ross, which is kind of similar to what we've seen in the season. But other than that, their two big plays we went over already. It was a chuck up to Ross and then the the play that Booker made by himself. So just no semblance of a passing game at all at any point. And so I just didn't feel like with you know those defense those ears pinned back. I mean, listen the chiefs were playing a lot of wide nine type stuff and they were doing a lot of things that were just like selling out to rush the passer. And it made it really difficult for Jones. And I think some teams will maybe continue to follow that blueprint potentially against the giants in general. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think the smartest way to play Daniel Jones right now is to blitz him heavy. Uh, like we've seen some other teams do the bucks last year. And obviously today in this game, Steve Sagnolo did that because especially with this offensive line, you just keep everything uh, tight to the line of scrimmage have have it have the giants be forced to kind of run these stick routes and these quick type curls and it's going to lead to interceptions and plays like it did in this game i mean there was almost two interceptions but yeah unfortunately at the end of the game i kind of knew this would happen but it is what it is and that's kind of how this game ended 20 to 17 let's get into some uh superlatives as we wrap this up at first we'll start with the unheralded player of the game on offense so honestly, man, I don't really have an unheralded player, and I'm trying to rack my brain for one because my best player would be my unheralded player, 
And that would, I guess if I had to choose an unheralded player that wasn't the best player in this game, maybe Matt Parrott, I guess, just because I've seen a, a few great reps or great reps, a few good reps from him in the game, but I don't think he was necessarily exceptional either. I think Parrott's a, a pretty solid call. I mean, he wasn't great in this game by any means, but like you said, he wasn't horrible in this game. So I guess he could go down as unheralded. I don't have anybody else who could probably be that. I mean, John Ross might be able to get it. He had a couple yeah. of really nice routes. He had a really, I'll give John Ross it. You know, John Ross will get it. Yeah. He had the sick catch where he had, the, where he had to adjust. In my mind, still not a great ball, but it was okay, I guess. And then he had a nice little route where he kind of broke down on that, like selling the vert really hard and then able to kind of just break down and get in and out of his break for that 22-yard pass from Jones. So I'll give it to John Ross for this game. I like that. I do. And John Ross, like how many snaps did Ross even end up playing? He didn't even play that many snaps. He played 16 snaps. Like, Which, I, is, stupid. Which is just stupid, by the way. It, it is, in my opinion. I I don't really understood what understand what was going on with a lot of the the snap counts from the New York Giants in general. I mean, you had Sterling Shepard leave. You would think John Ross would kind of pick up more slack there, but Colin Johnson plays twenty four snaps. Kadarius Tony only played thirty four. Is that because it was an injury? Then why was he on punt return? Darius Slayton played fifty two. Like, I don't think Darius Slayton should be leading the Giants in in, in snaps, and he probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for Sterling Shepard getting injured. There's no doubt about that. Dr. Pettis ended up getting injured as well, but I don't know. John Ross. 16 snaps. I just think it should have been a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. All right. Best route run. For me, it's that John Ross cop route that we broke down a little bit on the third and 11 that went for 50 yards. Uh, I, I like the, the the play call because it was great for a middle of the field open type of look. And then it ended up isolating him against a player that is exploitable. So that's where I'm going to go. And I think the route was obviously also uh, good from John Ross to sell the outside stem before breaking back inside. Totally gets Sorensen and his hips flipped into the opposite direction. So. Okay, I'll go with the one you broke down earlier, the Slayton route. That was the one he drew the defensive holding penalty on. It's a good route by him, uh, and you know it's chance for a really good play here. So I'll go with that one. Best throw in this game from Jones. I don't really have one. I guess you, you mentioned one before, the deep post curl, or it was more just a curl to be honest. It wasn't really any post to it from John Ross. But other than that, I, I didn't really necessarily have an exceptional throw from Daniel Jones. I had, yeah, there were no good, really great throws from Jones in this game, to be completely honest. Uh, the Ingram touchdown, I thought was a pretty solid throw. It's not that difficult yeah. of a throw to make, but it still has nice velocity, good ball placement. So all of those things, it's away from the defender. I know the defender played with really bad leverage, so it made it easier, but it's away from the defender. That's something. Um, so I'll, I'll go with that one. I think that's fair to put in there. Also go, there was one now I can't remember it now and I can't find it in my notes. I don't want to slow us down again by just like digging through these notes, but there's one where he had, it was designed rollout, uh, to his left. So he had to flip his hips. So he's able to flip his hips around and generate a good amount of power and velocity on the throw. So this was a good example of like a flash of his arm talent. And it ended up being just a four yard pass to Colin Johnson, uh, along the left sideline. But I thought it yeah. was a good example of, uh, just arm talent from him. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I know I know what play you're referring to. Yeah, so that was a good one, I thought, from Jones as well. All right, give me the best play call that you thought Jason Garrett called. It was the uh, third and four the with 548 left in the game, the Slayton play, the switch release that, that we broke down, the one that you had as the best route from Darius Slayton because that was uh, that should have been a touchdown if, if there wasn't a holding there, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. I think that was also the best play call. It wasn't really a game uh, that featured many great play calls. You can give it to that one or the Kadarius Tony trick play, but I mean, they've been running that for a while. All right, best player overall for you. Yeah, Devontae Booker. I wasn't even close, yes. to be honest. 
No, it, this one definitely wasn't even close. There wasn't really anyone who can qualify as best player in this game at all, really, besides Devontae Booker. All right, give a grade for the Giants' pass blocking. Well, before we do that, because I, I didn't have it here in the in the yeah. notes, who was the worst player? Because that's uh, that's an extensive list. That's <laughs> an extensive list in this game. I think a lot of people probably could qualify. I mean, you could. I'll go with Billy Price in this one. I just really thought it was a really bad game from Price. Yeah, Price had a couple like highlight bad plays overall. There were a couple run blocking plays that I was impressed with from Billy Price. I don't think this was by far his worst game by any means, but Will Hernandez would be my my choice. Okay, I don't think, I think that's probably fair. I think you're right. I think it, uh, I might be just thinking of kind of those highlight type bad plays from yeah. Price and, and they're yeah. clouding my. I'd say though, like a case could be made in my mind at least that Daniel Jones belongs in the conversation for worst player in this game. I know Giants, some Giants fans aren't going to want to hear it. Some Giants fans are going to really hate to hear this type of uh, objective commentary, but I mean, he threw one interception that led to seven points. He nearly threw a second that led to se- uh, pick six and another seven points. He didn't really do much at all with his arm. Uh, didn't do much with his legs. And so this was also against a really bad defense. So it wasn't, it was definitely, he's in, he's on my short list. And that's the first time we've ever kind of even had him on the list this year, but it has to be said when he's not playing well, like this was not a good game from him. No, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a solid take. I don't think you're off there. I, I don't have him as my worst, but I think he's in the conversation. Yeah, no, and he wouldn't be my worst if pushing him to shove. I'd probably put all those linemen, Price, Hernandez, and Solder, all, you know, all ahead of him on that list. And you know, that might not be it. Like, I mean, Caden Smith really didn't have a good game, didn't play that many snaps, but also didn't have that good of a game. All right, give the run blocking a grade. I actually was going to, I'm going to curious on your thoughts here because I was going to grade it low because the first half, and then they kind of came alive a little bit in the second half and had some really nice blocks in the second half, running a lot of the power gap stuff. So where's your grade here? We usually have a low grade here for this. I had a 5.7 and I can definitely be talked into a higher grade, to be honest, because I think there were a select few blocks that were really, really well executed by the Giants from guys like Billy Price, from Matt Parrott. I saw, I think, one from Nate Solder. Will Hernandez had one as well. So, and Matt Skurr had a, had a couple that, that I brought up throughout this podcast. So I'm going to, I might actually bump that up to a 6.7. I'm going to give it a full point difference there. Okay. I can give it a six. I'm going to go uh, 5.9 just because first half still a little bit of struggles in that regard, but definitely a pretty solid game from the run blocking. How about the pass blocking? I'm going to go with a 2.8 because every time the Chiefs knew the Giants were passing the football, they were able to just absolutely kill this offensive line. It probably could be lower, to be honest. It's not the worst pass blocking game this season, in my opinion, because there were there were some there were some clean pockets that Daniel Jones had in this game, but it wasn't good at all. So a 2.8. Yeah, I don't know how we can give this anything more. I'm probably going to go worse than that. I'm going to go like 2.3 here. Uh, I just it's it's not it's not a game where you can. It just wasn't a good game from the Giants offensive line from a blocking standpoint. I feel that, man. No doubt. All right. Anything else on this offense before we wrap up? Nah, man. Just stop sucking. Nah, <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, nah, man. I mean, I didn't feel like there was a there was a great identity here in this game. I felt like they were out of sync the entire game. There were misfires. There were protection issues. It, it was, it's the same thing we, we've been talking about only in this specific matchup. I felt like Daniel Jones wasn't as crisp as he's been in 2021. And it, it kind of just, it wasn't one play. It wasn't two plays. It was, it was plays kind of on every drive sprinkled throughout here and there. And this could be, this could be his worst game of the season. And he had a game where he threw 
what four or he had four turnovers against the Rams. And I, I think this game could be an argument with, with being worse than even that game, which is insane just because this game was at least a close game and he still couldn't kind of rise to the occasion. What's your take on that? I think that's a fair take. I think that I would agree with that. Like, especially when you consider the opponents here, the Chiefs defense playing as poorly as it had coming into this game versus a Rams defense that has been playing great all season. And they had the offense to kind of back it up. The Rams are putting pressure on the Giants offense to move the ball because their offense was scoring. Chiefs weren't really scoring on offense. So combined with all the factors, the fact that how well the Giants defense played and how many opportunities he gave Daniel Jones in the offense. And then also the fact that, or they gave, and also the fact that, you know, you're going against defense that had struggled. It's definitely for me, I would say definitely the worst game of the season for Daniel Jones and not a, not a great game in general. Like not, it doesn't make me feel too great. I, mean, I still have faith in him for next year. I just still think he's a quarterback that needs an offensive line. That's not a bad thing. I think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL need offensive lines, if not all. But I feel like he specifically, and I said this since the start of his career, I've always felt like he's the type of quarterback that needs an O-line. And I don't know how they're going to get him that anytime soon, but I hope they can luck into it because uh, they have a long, hard road ahead of them to try to find feel those, a passable offensive line here. But no, it's just kind of how I feel with Jones, and it kind of came to fruition this one. The Chiefs really just, they blitzed a lot. They played a lot of wide nine. They really put a lot of pressure on Jones and did, made it a, their goal to put pressure on this offense. And when you do that, when you play things up so far and you don't kind of drop them that too high shell, I've noticed Jones has really struggled his entire career against these game plans. You saw it in 2019 against Zimmer and the Vikings. You saw it against the Bucs last season. You saw it against the Steelers last season. You saw it in this game. I think that, to me, has always been the book on how to stop Daniel Jones, no matter whose offense he was in, Garrett or Shermer's. It's, uh, and part of that is the offensive line, of course. Like That st style doesn't work as well if the team can block, but... I just feel like press everything up against Jones and kind of play to the sticks, and right now that's that seems like a recipe for success. Yeah, sadly. I mean, you need to – you're in your third year now. You need to be able to uh, overcome pressure and make the defense pay. That's why teams like the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, don't see a lot of pressure because every time you send pressure against a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes, they're going to find the open guy and fire the football there or throw hot or, or just take advantage of your aggressiveness. And Jones hasn't necessarily proven that quite yet. I still think it, it's better from year two, or right now than it was last year but it's still not consistent enough. So I hope next time there's a game plan to just send crazy blitzes at Daniel Jones, he's able to really make that defense pay. I think we saw a little bit of it last week against Carolina, but not, not against the Chiefs here. Right. That's fair. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. As always, follow us on Instagram, Banter. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes and follow us on the YouTube page as well. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.